Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Runners Only with Dom Harvey, brought to you by Radix Nutrition. Coming up, Sam Harvey. It's not that I like pain, it's that maybe I've just learned to tolerate it a bit more than your average human and like these things aren't comfortable and you're going to be in a level of pain but what you're experiencing right now is finite, so deal with it. And in a day or in two days or in five days, it's going to be done and then you just sit down and you can have a beer and you're going to have yarns and you're going to have stories and you're going to you're going to appreciate it. So just do the thing that you're hating in the moment and then you'll love yourself a little bit more afterwards. In June 2023, Sam Harvey, <laughs> no relation, from Christchurch, came painfully close to breaking the world record for ultra-distance running after running pretty much non-stop for more than four days. Try and get your head around this. Sam ran for 101 hours and covered 677 kilometres. Kind of like running from Auckland to Wellington and a little bit extra. Sam's heart and mind are so unbreakable that he was actually forced by organisers to pull out of the race after he fell over and collapsed on the course. Sam Harvey is a fascinating guy with an unbreakable mindset, so this episode is so much more than a podcast about running. For the majority of listeners, as well as getting to know a bit more about this average, ordinary guy who is on a mission to redefine what the human mind and body is capable of, most of us will get to learn a bit more about this fringe running event known as Backyard Ultras. Just before we crack into it, thanks very much to Radix Nutrition for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to say how much I like them because of our professional arrangement and contractual obligations, but I genuinely was a fan of their products even before they approached me to sponsor the podcast. I start every day with a protein shake made with protein powder from Radix. They do do the best flavors made with the best ingredients, and you can check out their incredible nutritional products at radixnutrition.co.nz. That's R-A-D-I-X. All right, let's get into it. Sam Harvey with Dom Harvey on Runners Only. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Runners Only with Dom Harvey and Sam Harvey. Sorry, you were just talking over, over the intro. What's up? What were you saying? Oh, sorry, bro. I didn't no, realize no, no, you were no. doing an intro. Hey, no, you're the, you're, you're the guest. You, what were you yammering on about? I had my earplugs and I couldn't even hear you. Oh, no, no, no stress. <laughs> I was just yarning. Sam Harvey, um, no, no relation of the... Harvey side of my family is very small. So a couple of people even messaged me saying, are you guys related? Not a chance, I don't <laughs> think. Um, but this man is an absolute savage. Recently tied the world record for a more or less continuous 677-kilometre run in Australia. Mate, it's great to have you here. I've heard you do so many interviews, and um, the, the host usually starts the same way by um, calling you like mental, calling you a madman calling you bonkers, something like that, which, uh, how, um, how do you feel about that? It feels like it's a, it's a bit of a cop-out, a bit of an easy intro. Yeah. I could think of many other words for you. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm a little bit twisted, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm really mad. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digging deep and I'm going after something and I guess, yeah, maybe, maybe that's perceived as a level of madness and on the comparison of 
someone else's normal spectrum of existence versus what 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 I'm up to. So yeah, mm. I, I'm just I'm just getting after something, and yeah, that might seem a bit strange to to a few people that haven't done anything at this scale, which is most of us. Um, But words I would go with would probably be things like, um, oh, I don't know, like uh, um, disciplined, courageous, calculating, meticulous. I mean, the the shit you you look like the sort of guy that would wing it, but you're you're not a guy that's winging it. There's a lot of calculation that goes into what you do. There has to be. Yeah, I mean, like there's... There's definitely been like a lot of winging it in the past and the winging it has got me to where I am and yeah, I guess I am able to both operate with with planning but then when shit goes awry, uh, make it up on the spot and and get things done. Uh, Like in my early years of racing, I kind of had this like little internal personal brand and I called it skin of your teeth racing. It was like... <laughs> like, like sort of winging it. Oh, totally winging it. Like <laughs> like when I was racing in Ireland, I'd like, I'd finish driving the tractor and then I'd be like, oh, I've got like an hour and a half to get into Dublin and like, and then like get to this race and I'd like, I'd like sprint or bike like into the nearest village and then like maybe catch a bus and then that bus would be running behind and then I would like get off early and I'd like run across a free, like a full on motorway, dodgy, sketchy shit. This is highly illegal. Uh, Climb up this cliff face, jump, jump this like, or climb over this nine foot fence into this car park. And then that allowed me onto a train or like get to, get to a taxi. And then like, like literally there was a couple of races I'd like get there and people were on, on the start line and I'd like, I'm not even sure they'd be like, yeah, you can pay afterwards. They'd give me a number. I'd flick that number on. They'd be like lining up and I'd be like having, finally having to take a leak on the start line. And they're like <laughs> three, two. And they know that they know that I'm here. Everybody's laughing. And then we go and I get off and, and, and get on the start line and we run and I like managed to get like first or second and, or at least a podium in that race. And I'm like, yeah, just scrape by. And they don't know the like the two hour ordeal, just like getting to that start line. So, <laughs> the warm up, the yeah. warm up, unlike anyone else's. So how long ago was this? I think this sets the, sits the, the, the sets the tone nicely for the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Ah, uh, so I was in Ireland and 2017. 17. And, okay. So, and so just doing like, uh, yeah, a bit of, bit of farm work and building and uh, what else was I doing? Uh, and then obviously like doing a few running races and uh, a bit of boxing and just kind of, yeah, living live my life. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. We should probably start by explaining um, the concept of laps racing um, because – I mean, there's a lot of people that'll be listening listening to this that are that are that are fans of yours that know what you've done and are familiar with the concept. But I think most normal New Zealanders would have no clue what it means. So, for sure, uh, so, how would you explain it? Yeah, so um, I guess the sport that I've kind of really come into my own in the last couple of years. Um, I've obviously been running ultra marathon, which is really really long format racing, but uh, so like hundreds of kilometers, and then. The backyard ultra format, which I've kind of really been giving some steam recently, uh, it's basically a last person standing format where you run a 6.7 kilometer loop, and that 6.7 kilometer loop might be set over, can be set up over any terrain. It might be flat, it might be hilly, it might be grassy, it might be rugged, whatever. But basically, everybody lines up on the start line at the start of each hour, 
and you have 60 minutes to complete that 6.7 kilometre loop or 4.1667 miles. And yeah, if you if you finish it fast, then you then you get a bit of a rest. Maybe like if you finish it in 40 minutes, then you get a 20 minute rest, and you can eat and drink and uh, do do what you need to do. Or if you do it slow and you're coming in 59 minutes, then basically you've you've got to go out on straight straight away. Mm. You get no rest time, and so it's a bit of a balancing act. But basically, the way it works is you lap that 6.7 kilometer loop hour after hour. Uh, if you take longer than the hour, then you get kicked out. Uh, if you can't start a loop, then uh, then you get kicked out, and it continues until there's at least at least two people left in the race. And as soon as that second to last person drops off, then uh, then that's the last person standing, and they have to do one one more loop uh, to to basically secure it. And they can't continue looping after mm. that. So basically, it's the it's the winner. There's only one finisher in these races, and then there's the assist, and the assist helps the winner to get however far they may get before before they give up. Yeah, and this is where you um, tied the world record recently, like a few matter of a few weeks ago in Australia. And we're going to dive deep into that race because it's a the race itself is probably worthy of being a movie with the the final three competitors. Yeah, there's there, like there's so many layers to it. The the thing about the slaps racing, like. To me, is that it feels, from an outsider's perspective, it looks tantalisingly easy. Do you know what I mean? It's, anyone can run. Anyone that's done a bit of running can run six point seven k's. Anyone who hasn't done a bit of running can run six point seven k's in an hour. And then you think I can have. A, I could probably just about briskly walk it. I could have a break, do it again. But then, like from my perspective, as someone that does like a, a, you know ten k here, twenty k here, you get to ten hours. You're bored. You're bo- mentally, you're bored. You've also done, tired because you've done sixty seven k's at that point. And you give up, but you just fucking don't. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, I think you, I think you touched on it um, briefly before, saying like it is easy, and like this format of racing, it's easy until it's not. And it, and that's the thing; it's the until it not. I suppose that varies from person to person. Mm. And I mean, at the end of the day, the the farthest distance you've run is the farthest distance you've run. Mm. Like the longest you've gone might be. 20k's so to to up that by a couple of k's then that's 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 a win yeah uh is it your full capacity maybe not because in your head like that's that's your upper limit Mm. where i'm I'm just kind of going to find wherever the limit actually Mm. is physically uh and break down all of those mental barriers because yeah i've definitely like come to a point and i'm like oh 300 miles <laughs> like there was at, at, at the Australian race a couple of weeks ago like I hit the 300 mile mark and that was like emotional I didn't so expect 300 it to miles be. that's like 500 k's uh, yeah 300 miles 500 k's and then you end up running a, a total of 677 yeah so when you got to 300 miles um, we can work in whatever format you want here um, yeah. when you got to 300 miles like you you I mean for a lot of people you, you could be like okay that's an epic milestone I'm gonna I'm gonna wind down now yeah. I'm not going to win, but it's amazing for me. But you just kept on fucking going. Yeah, so I don't look at it in milestones, and a lot of people do. Like a lot of people, a lot of people say, "Oh, I want to get to the 24 hour mark, which is 100 miles or 160 kilometers, or I want to get to the the 40 hour mark or the 50 hour mark." Honestly, I just kind of dissociate altogether. I don't count hours. I don't count kilometers. I I just like I'm just there to run, I run, 
and I do a loop and I just complete a loop and I just focus on the task at hand and don't kind of let it, let the grand scheme of, of things affect me too much. And I think that's what messes a lot of people up is they're looking to, like they're setting targets and then they hit them and they're like, oh, what do I do now? Mm. I've now got to set a new target. I'm like, your, your target's just to be the last man standing. Yeah, my target's just to yeah, win. Yeah. yeah. I, um. How much of how much of this is physical and how much is mental? Obviously, physical fitness is huge. Like, not anyone can go out and, you know, <laughs> clock up a six hundred and seventy-seven k's in four days, for but, sure. Um, I mean, obviously, very physical, like extremely physically demanding. Uh, I guess I've removed the the physical element of it to a degree because I've I've trained so hard for it and I know my body and I know my capabilities. Basically, I can go into one of these things knowing that, like, my body's going to perform. Like, I'm at the upper tier of of people who have prepared their body for any any kind of running event. I'm on. I might not be the fastest, but I've definitely put in uh, the top tier level of of miles. And so I know my legs and my body; they're all going to do the job, and I can just focus on the task at hand. Uh, the big thing being, you've just got to you've got to beat beat yourself or beat beat your mental limits so yeah it does it does come down to that to that mental strength in the end if you had to put a percentage on each what would it be can't be 50 50 eh? it's got to be I, I would have thought having never done one myself just sitting here in this beautiful plush armchair 80 20 80 percent mental yeah yeah and and i mean a lot of people say it's in the reverse of like running it's 80 percent physicality like you you need to have you need to have that body there and then 20% of it's mental but yeah I would say the the opposite uh, I mean once, you, once you've prepared the body then it's only 20% like making sure everything's right and then 80% of it is just getting getting your head yeah getting your head straight and how how do you prepare the body like what is a what does a heavy training week look like for you about 160 to 180 k of running a week and then oh yeah that's not excessive yeah and then two or three strength sessions, which might be like, I don't know, half an hour in the gym doing like heavy weights. Right, right. So, so 160, 160Ks a week, how much of that is, like what sort of training is that? Like is it speed work, long slow runs? No, so it'll be polarised training. So I'll be doing, yeah, most, most, most of that volume will be slow, easy, zone one, zone two running. And then a very small amount of it, maybe like, two yeah one or two sessions a week would be that faster training uh so doing hill sprints or or the like or or a tempo run mm. and uh, do you do any training for the sleep deprivation like i i would have thought your training may entail like having a friday and saturday where you you do laps for 24 hours or something like that yeah i mean i think life prepares you for these races like like not me. I love my sleep. <laughs> I could, sleep deprivation is one of the worst things, man. Yeah. I mean, Horrible. I mean, less so from the sleep deprivation. The sleep deprivation, you probably get more used to having done a few of these races. And I've done, oh, it's at least half a dozen of these things now. So, like, I have I have run through the night. on every, Like, every single one of these races, I've done 200 plus kilometers. So, I've gone through the night and even into the second night on at least most of them. And so got a, got a, got a bit used to it, and honestly, the the world record 
having gone through four nights, that was just adapting on the go. That and that's probably something that I have a strength in is you're presented with a problem and you find a way of fixing it in the moment. Hmm. But that's um, yeah. You make it sound very simple and very easy, but when sleep deprivation kicks in, your rational mind often sort of shuts down. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's that's when you start to make your reasoning with yourself or negotiating with yourself or yeah, well, making decisions that after a good sleep you're going to regret. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, at the end of the day, I can be very mechanical and just like kind of get get the job done, which is what I was doing. Uh, as you say, like reasoning with yourself, maybe not reasoning with myself, but come the fifth day, like the final day where it, uh, I stopped. That was where people out, like I was taking reasoning from people that weren't me. Who like your support crew? And- yeah, and and basically saying like you're you're sick, like you've got pneumonia. Like the the doctor wants to pull you from the race. The race director wants to pull you from the race. Like you've got to stop. And I was like, no, I'm here to break the world record. And they're like, well, okay, we're going to let you break the world record or help to set the world record. But once you've completed lap 101 the 101st hour, the 677 kilometre, you are to then pull out. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I I reasoned with their voice of logic and I guess, yeah, that's what I've been kicking at myself about well, for can, the last couple of I can tell by your d- demeanour, you're dark about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like at the end of the day, I was still, I was still, I was, I was beat up, but like anyone would be beat up after they'd run nearly 700 oh, kilometres. 100%. Um, yeah, my lungs were a bit stuffed, but at the end of the day, like my heart, my heart rate variation wasn't going crazy. Like I wasn't continuously collapsing or or showing signs that I was going to die or anything. Continuously collapsing. Well, like I did collapse at at one (laughs) point. That's what set off the warning bells for everyone. It was like around the 95th or 96th hour. And, and, (laughs) Okay, so, see for me, for me they, they, if my who's in your support group by the way is it your wife no who have you uh, no so for that one was uh, mum dad a uh, guy called Adam Keane who's a coach and he was on the team with me he'd run and then like once he'd stopped he'd uh, he'd come in and crew for me Sean Collins he's he's another guy who was racing over there from the Kiwi team who once he stopped he he came in. And, and crewed for me and um, yeah and then like various right. others so I had a, a bit of an expanded or extended support so support it was it was, was it unanimous they were all like saying listen Sam you gotta you gotta throw the towel in uh, I think it was the the like the race, race director and his kind of circle had like kind of made that decision then I had like my team were like f- fighting on my behalf to oh okay outcome. so they were sort of negotiating with the race director yeah okay. and then yeah I think the negotiation was like allow him to to get to the world record and then, and, but monitor him to make sure like shit's not going to go really awry. And then, um, and then, yeah, basically cut him, cut him from the race once once he's achieved what he what he came here to do. So do you do you feel a little bit um, I don't know if exploited is the word, but um, like that's almost like they used you as bait for the eventual winner. Um, I. I wouldn't say that. I mean, both both of us went there with the intention of 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 setting the record, and I was going to feel like a failure if neither of us got there. Like if I had of like tapped out on like ninety hours mm. or ninety five hours, like 
come that close, but yeah, so short, then that would have been a failure. At least mm. I got to match the world record and then allow someone else. Yeah. Because then I, I carried him there. Like I could have. Yeah, that, I I mean, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I mean. So the race director's saying, okay, Sam, you're very, very sick. You've got pneumonia, but we will let you run another few laps. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like I need to poke the beer any more than what it's been poked. I'm just, you know, I don't yeah, want to wind you yeah, up. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to be like kind on myself. Yeah. There was a hell of a lot of uh, success within that race, both spiritually, mentally, physically, between myself and other runners, between me and my crew. Like, like that week was possibly the most spiritual and enlightening and wholesome and rewarding week that I've had in my entire life. Mm. So like, yeah, got to kind of be nice to myself because yeah, if you, if you compare it with what could have been, then you take away from all the goodness that came out of it. And like what came out of that race was massive. Oh, oh, 100%. And uh, you know, you tied the world record and uh, you, you did it um, not feeling a hundred percent, which is remarkable. And it's exciting to think, what you can potentially achieve in the future? Oh, absolutely. You know? I mean, like uh, old old mate who who took the took the win. He has had uh, harder competition. He's been exposed to harder competition in Australia, just because the Australians they they get a bit further in these races generally. So he's been pushed into these like uh, third. I'm not sure if he's been pushed into the fourth day, but he's definitely been pushed into like the third day previously, and so. He's experienced the deep end a lot more and had the ability to practice and, and, and improve his processes. Prior to this event, I'd only ever done 46 hours because... Because you're the last man standing. Because, because That's I've, when the race finishes. Yeah, well, because I've essentially won everything in New Zealand and we haven't quite gone as far. And so this was essentially my first opportunity to race with some really heavy hitters and find out where my limits are. And so, yeah, I jumped from 46 hours all the way up to 101 hours. And so I was in, I was in unknown territory for a long time. For, for the second half of the, of the event. Yeah, more than the second half. What, what, so what were you thinking? So you'd done 46 hours and you obviously um, still knew you had way more beyond that. Um, but, yeah, what were you thinking? And you like going into it in your, in your heart. Like 60 was, hours, 70 hours? No, nah, I was super confident that I was going to break the world record if there was anyone there that was willing to, to, to go that distance with me. So you thought you could double? You, you definitely thought you could double 46 hours? Without question. I mean, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thought, and it just makes me want to like tap into, even do a, do a biopsy into your brain and get a part of it out to see how, <laughs> how you operate. Because that'd be like someone, I don't know if this is, a, this is a great comparison, but it's like someone running their first marathon, doing five hours, and then thinking, oh, okay, well, next time I'll do two and a half. Uh-huh. It's fucking crazy like, to do 46 and then go into the, the next event with the confidence that you can double that. It's, 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 as all the journalists say when they open the interviews, <laughs> it's mad. Yeah, I, I just think I I know my body, I know my brain, and yeah. I know all the processes that I've built over the last couple of years. And I'm very just I'm very confident that you basically take take the system, and then you just replicate it again and again and again, hour after hour, lap after lap, day after day. Nothing really changes. So so you just you just continue on with your systems. You might need to 
fiddle things around a little bit, maybe on the third or fourth day because there are new factors in play, like sleep deprivation. So you end up mm. wanting to sleep a bit more in the nights or even during the day. So, so you make those changes. But yeah, at the end of the day, honestly, anyone can run a six point seven kilometer loop in an hour, and even on my hundred and hundredth, hundred and first hour, like I was still still lapping and in like 50 minutes or maybe even like a, a 49 minute or something where when I first started this racing a couple of years ago, like admittedly it was on a very hilly hard course, but like 52 minutes was my consistent mm. loop time. So, so I'm, you get an eight minute break at the back. Yeah. So like, and, and I know that that is a, is a big enough window to do absolutely everything and have a bit of a rest. So if I'm coming in anything faster than that, then like I'm in good nick and I can, I can go perpetually. Okay, absolutely everything is in as in what? Taking some nutrition, hydration. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, change your socks maybe or So yeah, I mean like hydration, yes, nutrition, yes, maybe a bit of a sleep, uh change out any maybe wet, sweaty gears for, for, for dry clothes. And less so on the sock slash shoe front I mean yeah there are other people that are religious about that but honestly I it was the Sunday night <clears throat> so the sec, going into the second night and I did a I think I did a shoe change and I had seven pairs of shoes with me and by that point I only fit into one of them because my feet had blown Swallowing. up so big wow. and I was like oh well that means I can't do any more shoe changes and I was like oh well that's that's fine like these shoes will do uh, and if I'm not going to take my shoes off then oh well I'll just stick with my socks if I stick with my socks then I'm not going to do any like blister popping or, or foot management I was like sweet I was like what I've got on my feet is what I've got on my feet so from Sunday night until Wednesday afternoon when the race finished I didn't take my shoes or socks off it was just like if a blister opens up, if I tear some flesh off, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna run through it, and that's what I continue to do. So yeah, my feet were super ugly and minced up afterwards. However, I just dealt with it. I mean, I, I basically figured, provided like I could still stand on my feet, and and mm. I mean they were painful, but yeah, either way they're gonna be painful. For yeah, w- were you in physical pain? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I had like achy knees, achy achy joints, achy hips, achy bloody everything, a bit of full body pain, and then my feet were were swollen, mincemeat. At times, I thought, have I have I got a stress fracture in one of my bone and in, in one of my foot bones or toes or or whatever? And and then yeah, from from Sunday through to Wednesday, like. Every every now and then, like you'd occasionally feel like a blister form and like a real bad one, and it would burn like it'd be searing heat, and you'd be just like, oh, and I'd do a bit of a scream, and then I'd be like, oh well, that that that'll probably go away in about an hour. Mm. See, I, th- I think this is what, at least part of what separates you from most of society. Uh, you, you know, pain is is your body sending you a message, right? That mm. that that you need to you know stop or do mm. something about it. Mm. Um, so how do you just keep going through it? I guess I've. It's not that I like pain. It's that maybe I've just learned to tolerate it a bit more than your average human, and I guess I've normalised it. It's like, like these things aren't comfortable, and and you're going to be in a level of pain. But I mean, what you're experiencing right now is finite. Like it has an end, mm. so deal with it. And in a day, or in two days, or in five days, it's going to be done. And then you just sit down and you can have a beer 
and you're gonna have yarns and you're gonna have stories and you're gonna you're gonna appreciate it. So just do the thing that you're hating in the moment and then you'll love yourself a little bit more afterwards. Yeah, I suppose it's like the um the the well used mantra, pain is temporary, glory is forever. Straight up. I yeah. was I was yelling that to myself. Uh I'm not sure if it was at the Australian race, but it was it was at the one in Christchurch just gone, which was probably actually more of a struggle, to be honest. Oh, yeah. So, um, the, so the Australian one in uh, Dead Cow Valley. We need to get into that race shortly. We've been going for 26 minutes, but you, you're so fascinating. Um, so you came back from that having um, tied the world record of 677 Ks. Then you did another event, like a, a week later, two weeks later? Uh, nine days. Nine days later. What did your coach say? Um, <laughs> my, my, my coach is on the sp- Special end of the spectrum. I mean, like he doesn't he definitely doesn't like advise this type Who's of thing. That? Is that Barry McGee? It's Barry yeah, McGee. Yeah, yeah. Barry McGee, by the way, um, for anyone that doesn't, he was one of the first guests on my podcast. I think like episode seven or episode eight. Oh wow! Um, he won a bronze medal for the marathon at the nineteen sixty Olympic Games in Rome. The last like ten or fifteen k's were running like pitch dark. Yeah. Um. So there were like ticky torches on the side of the road to guide the way, and he had, he had no idea when he finished that he'd won a medal. Um. But he was coached by um Arthur Lydiard, mm-hmm. and he's sort of carrying on that mantle. And I suppose the knowledge that he passes on to you is going to be passed on to another generation. But he, uh, Barry McGee, fantastic like distance runner, marathon runner, but um, he knows nothing about, you know, like laps racing. Yeah, he's, um, he's definitely struggled over the last year or so to come to terms with the backyard ultra concept, especially like... <laughs> uh, I feel like yeah. it would have been right in Arthur Lydiard's wheelhouse though, eh? Yeah, yeah. I if mean, he like, was alive. He definitely appreciates... He definitely appreciates like the level of madness that it takes. He he likes the the alternative and the and the kind of groundbreaking uh, aspect to the sport. So he likes it from from that. But yeah, I've definitely explained the concept of a backyard and and running loops and there only being one person left standing and and that type of thing to him a few times. Mm. Have you have you, have you sort of outgrown him as a coach now? Do you think? Um, like, do you need? Is there? I suppose what I'm asking is: is there like a specialist, um, like backyards or ultra ultra distance coach that you can tap into? I think I am. I'm probably at the point where I am the inventor in the world of backyard. Like, I am coaching myself on that aspect, and 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 coaching others and educating others on on how they they can go deep i mean I've, I've made no secret about how how i do this i've put out videos i was like you want the secret sauce here it is do mm. this do this 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 and this and you will you can win the only thing that's stopping you is is your your desire to to push through the pain uh on on the berry front though like yeah no he's he's a wealth of knowledge he's helped me to uh, essentially do what needs to be done. Like you'll lie to yourself and you'll cheat yourself any day of the mm. week. And I reached out to him because I knew exactly what I needed to do in running. I needed, I needed to be doing a hundred mile a week at least week after week, but it was actually having someone to break it down into, into what workouts I needed to be doing. And, and then also just basically having someone to, to bounce ideas off and, and be honest to, and like, it means, rather than skipping a workout or skipping a week, like I've got him that 
is expecting me to be mm. doing this. So he's getting, yeah, he's essentially there as the the police officer to make sure I'm I'm sticking to the rules. Yeah. He's he's a great man too. Can I, can I ask what he charges you? What is it? Some insanely low amount. Yeah, he's twenty far, bucks a week. What? He's far too cheap. I think it's like five hundred bucks a year or something. Yeah, he. I guess that's like ten bucks a week. He he just loves still being involved in that community, um, and it's a it's an absolute joy to see someone else I've had on the, the podcast uh, twice now. Arch Jelly, who's hundred almost one hundred and one. Wow. John Walker's old coach, mm-hmm. and he's the same. He's on Strava, following people, keeps an eye on what Sam Tanner's up to. Mm-hmm. It's it's bloody it's amazing. It's amazing that these guys um, that have done uh, incredible things themselves in their own pursuits um, now still live sort of vicariously through you know, the likes of you, I guess. Yeah, That's absolutely. Cool. Okay, so all right, let's go to Dead Cow Galley. Dead Cow Galley. So this is um, sort of inland from the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, so it's a couple like, of hours inland. Yeah, a couple of hours inland. So you like you fly into Brisbane and then you drive like two slash two and a half hours like northwest up into the kind of the outbacky area, and it's on a cattle station. In a place called Nanango, which is a bit of a middle of nowhere type place. Pretty much everywhere in Australia is in the middle of nowhere, middle yeah. of nowhere place. So, how many people start? Uh, how many? I think we had like a little over a hundred, okay. like hundred and twenty or something, started yep. that race. Yep. Sam, what's the um, what's the track like? So, six point seven k's. Uh, so, this one was trying to replicate the World Championship uh, Big's Backyard course so it had a day loop and a night loop you did 12 hours on the day loop and then 12 hours on the night loop uh the day loop was basically around the cattle station so it's uh dry deserty type outback stuff so like, lo- like orange dirt uh, uh red dirt what color kind of like orangey dirt like very Clay. very very dusty though yeah. so like the the landscape was very much like burnt burnt browns and yellows uh and then like dotted around with like eucalyptus trees and, and stuff like that and uh yeah bright blue sky and yeah just very very vibrant vibrant outback colors which was cool what sort of temperature during the day i want to say it was in the 20s during the day it was yeah it was it was warm slash hot but it was it was dry so like yeah Normally I'd run around in the day during these with a bit of humidity, so I'd have my top off and be cooling down that way. But yeah, for the most part, like it was top on, uh, warm, but there was a bit of cool breeze um, from time to time, so that made that made the days very enjoyable. Yeah, and it's pretty flat. Uh, yeah, that course was very flat, so I think at most there might have been like forty-five meters of of vert, vert yeah. during during the six-point-seven kilometer course, which is very, it's it's very relaxing. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Next. Okay, so the, the run starts. Um, what are you doing the first lap? Uh, I kind of come out guns are blazing and just say, "Hey guys, I'm I'm here to do business," and I I, I do a hot hot 26 minute lap. Fuck! So like four minute k's, just yeah. under four minute k's. Oh, so, so you're quite a handy runner. You're quite a fast runner. Yeah, I've got pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck! Is that advisable? What does Barry and McGee say about that? Uh, like the sensible thing you would think would be to go as slow as what you can in the first one, like 50 I mean, something. I think at this point in the in the backyard ultra, I'm almost helping to write the rule book. Uh, I mean, like I'm kind of at the upper level of the performance, mm. so like I can kind of do what I want. I mean, like although yeah. although in saying that, going into this race, you were a four, you were Mister Forty Six Hours, yeah. so that's a that's a very very brash, ballsy, cocky, arrogant move. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, like I know what my body can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, doing doing one little hot lap. At 26 for me is is definitely not at my upper limit. Like it's not like I was doing three minute 15 k's or anything. So it was definitely within within my wheelhouse. And then I settle into pace and I and then I do nice mm. slow like 45 to 50 minute loops. So, so just to fire an early shot, really. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So the, the guy that ended up winning, Phil Gore, what did he do in the first lap? Do you know? I don't know. You don't care. Uh, not really. <laughs> so you must have been. So you finished that first lap. You still got a half an hour to go before you go again. You must have been bored shitless. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, jo- the, the, the joke was that in future I should um, pump out one of these hot laps and then record a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> do a do a thirty minute podcast. What and, and and like cheer everybody over the line and give them do interviews with them. So that might be uh, that might be world champs this year. In terms of mind games, that's not bad. Yeah, just a little bit of fuckery. Okay, so so um, so you start these events. So the the first one, you fire out a thirty minute lap. Um, you might you you know you. How long is it boring for? Like you know it's going to get hard, but is is it the first like ten hours, twelve hours? Um, usually in the regional events, so like the ones dotted all around the country that I've done previously, like they only usually go for a day and a half ish. And I'm normally bored for the first 24 hours because <laughs> I'm just like, plus I've done so many of these and yeah, some of these yeah. events I've done, I've done the same course like a few times, like a few years in a row. So I, yeah, I am bored and I'm like, what am I doing here? And then, and then it finally gets to the pointy end of the race and, and then things get interesting with this one, because it obviously went for so much longer, like. I think I was nearly 48 hours into the race before I was like not bored anymore. So, mm-hmm. but then after that, once, once people start dying off and, and, and you get, you get shy of numbers, it's like, Oh, we're racing now. And that's, and that's when I, when I get interested because it's after that point, after, after you're down to maybe less than 20 or less, particularly less than 15 runners. It's like, Oh, like we, these these are the people that mean business. It's like these are these are the pe- people who came here with intention. Because yeah, is, is there a lot of people that set, set the goal in mind? Maybe of uh, I don't know, like a hundred k's or a hundred miles or twenty four hours or whatever. yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. And then they're done. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Is that um? Does it give you like a boost when people drop off? Um, it, it depends. I mean, like if if maybe you don't get along with a certain person, like <laughs> may, maybe if somebody's been a bit of a dick and you're just like, ah, uh, see ya. Then yeah, but no, for the most part, especially especially because you like you you form such strong bonds out there. Like like a lot of these people are your friends, and yeah. and, and when you see them drop off, you like almost hurts you a bit. Like especially. Like there was a guy Ryan Crawford, he's the Australian number two, and he he dipped on the I think it was on the second night, and I was hoping to like go go deep with him. Well, yeah, is, is he a mate or are you, are you just a I, fan of his? Um, he just seems to be on the same kind of right. spiritual journey slash hammering the sport the same way I do. He's a bit, bit of a battler and he's just a all around good sort. And we made friends out on course mm. and. Yeah, he was going downhill, so I was like, I was trying to, I, I guess, give him a bit of emotional support out on the course. And then I also said to my crew, I was like, um, go over to go over to Ryan's tent and like, give him give him some of my antacid, give him some of my electrolyte, give him some of this, give him some of that, and and see if we can get him right because he was like really struggling. And yeah, so, uh, yeah. It sucked when he disappeared, and then likewise, I made really good mates with a guy called Harvey Lewis, who's number one out of the US, and we were running together for like a good solid two days and formed like a a wild bond between runners, and um, yeah, he... He disappeared after ninety hours, and that really hit me too. So, yeah, let's get let's get into that because it was like a three horse. How long was it three runners for? Because it was yourself, Harvey Lewis, who you just mentioned, and the eventual winner, Phil Gore. How long was it a th- three horse race for? Like the final twenty four hours or longer? Um, so, I think the fourth place runner gave up just after the sixty hour mark. Uh, basically, he was. He had been on the qualifying list or the at-large list for the World Championship previously, but now there's been a, a, a lot more people hammering and trying to get to World Championships. That tier has gone up, and so I think his qualification was something in the 50s, and now 50s, the 50s doesn't get you in. Basically, you've got to do... <laughs> Hundreds of the new 50. <laughs> pretty much. So you've got, you've got to do 60-plus hours to, to get onto that list if you haven't automatically mm. qualified. And he was trying to get back on the list, which he did, I can't remember if he dipped after 60 hours, but it can't have been that long after. And, yeah, so for from 60-something hours through to 90 hours, there was three of us, and then Harvey, and then Harvey dipped on the 90th hour, so... Yeah, so th- this is what I was talking about early on when um, you know, the, the last couple of days of this race could be turned into a movie, just the dynamics and the characters and things. So... Um, Phil, what do you know about Phil Gore? Do you, are you friends with Phil Gore? Uh, he's a competitor. Yeah. But, uh, until recently, did you see him as, you know, like um, like more than a competitor? Like, do, you like, that's the guy I've got to fucking beat? Uh, yeah. Did I you mean, look up to him? I, de- I definitely saw him as, like, someone who was, like, pushing high numbers. Mm-hmm. So I was like, sweet. Yeah, well, that's the benchmark. Uh, not not so much the benchmark, but like if someone's going to turn up and and throw down with me and go as far as like I want to go, then yeah, it's probably there's probably him, there's Harvey, uh, there's Ryan Crawford. These are, these are the guys that if anybody's going to go to to the world record and further with me, it's these these guys are are going to be the ones that that lay down. Yeah. So so before this event, um, 
if, if someone said to Phil Gore, what do you know about Sam Harvey? What would he have said? Were you on his radar at all? Or? Yeah, he's definitely been studying me for a while. I, yeah. think, I think he's been following my Strava right. and, and whatever. So, yeah, he's definitely kind of seen me as the as a guy. The up-and-comer. The, the guy over in New Zealand who's, mm. who's, who's doing things. Okay. And what about Harvey Lewis? What do you know about Harvey Lewis prior to this event? I mean, Harvey's, I would argue, in the top 10 most famous ultra-distance athletes out of America in, like, in, in, in current times. So, like, yeah, he's world famous like his 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 reputation precedes him as a as an amazing runner both in both in the backyard ultra but he's run for the US 24 hour team like countless times and he he literally just finished badwater 135 this morning or last night so that was his 12th running of the badwater wow. 135 so yeah he's a he's an animal and yeah i definitely knew who he was and now, so you, you weren't friends. There was no like pre-existing sort of relationship to speak of. You no, no, not at all. Social media friends? Oh, I think I was following. Yeah, I, yeah. I was following him. But, but you'd, you'd never met though prior to the Dead Cow Valley. No, no. So why did you guys decide to link up and sort of form? I don't know, like a bromance or whatever you want to call it. I don't know, just an had alliance, the, maybe. Just had the spark, really. Yeah. Like he's, well, how? Why? I don't know. Just got got to yarning, and he was he was a good lad, and I don't know. There was just something intangible that like really clicked and then all of a sudden we're out there running loops uh shouting at the woods and, and having a good time uh i've got a la, i guess nashville tennessee over in the u.s is my second home which is where i kind of like built a bit of a life around like rugby and all that and that's where i met my now wife anna and so i guess we've got like a little bit of a, a common ground of yeah, we, we do ultra marathons, but actually I've also, I appreciate the hell out of the US mm. and, and all things American. Well, not all things, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, well, yeah exclu- we'll exclude gun violence from the list and a number of other things. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. I love American culture as well. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we got chatting and, yeah, all, all of a sudden we were yarning and shouting keep, keep keeping each other's moods going and, yeah, all, all of a sudden it was the Harvey show. And like, yeah, yeah, Sam Harvey and Harvey Lewis, Harvey yeah. and Harvey. Yeah, we we might need to uh, get you onto our onto the Harvey show, and there it could be Harvey, Harvey, and yeah, Harvey. You, you guys can pull me through lap five. Come on, Dom, yeah. stick with it. That's the one. So, um, and, and um, most of these backyard events, they have like your sort of um, like a like a campsite, if you will. But the, this one, you were like sleeping in a house at night. Uh, so the race base was centered around the farmhouse where the where the race director he actually lives, and so it's a, this old weatherboard farm house, and I wasn't in there until like the fourth night, uh, so I was just out in the campsite, out with everybody else. Who, who was in there in the early nights, or did, was it one of those um, situations where they waited till the field had whittled down to a small enough number that all the competitors could go into a house? No, not quite. So, no. so Harvey, they'd obviously he was the he was the he was. The, he was the money ticket. Like he, he had been brought over by the race director. They'd pay for, paid for his flights and put him up and, and, and done all that. And so oh, he was the VIP. He was the VIP. So <laughs> he, he was, he was in there from the start of the race, uh, had, had his own bedroom and all that. That seems like an unfair advantage in a way. No, yeah, maybe. And then also Phil Gore, who was the, 
Australian champion. The eventual winner. He was in the house as well from day from, one. From the get-go. Right. And, then, um, uh-huh. and then it was on the fourth, fourth night. Um, they gave you a key to the house. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> the, the race director gave, gave me his bedroom. Uh, and so I got to move into the house and, and so I went from like kind of sitting around the, the campfire in a, in a camp chair or in a gazebo to, to like sitting in a bedroom slash lying on a bed for, mm. for 10 minutes. Uh, we've only been chatting for 45 minutes, but I'm, I'm guessing you don't give a flying fuck either way, whether you're in a, like a pullout chair next to a tent or you're in a house. Not really. It's all business to you. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, pretty, pretty but it much. must must have been nice. What was the what was the climate like there at night? Was it bloody freezing? It's cold as hell. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it must have been nice. It would have been a luxury, right? Moving from a, a campsite into a house. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It was. Do you, do you, you sleep at all in those later stages? What was the biggest sleep you had? Uh, I think the biggest sleep I had was fifteen minutes. Right. See, I, and what was the average sleep? Like five minutes, eight S- minutes, sixty seconds, maybe one hundred eighty seconds, three second, uh, three minutes. Is there not a fear that your support crew won't be able to wake you up? Nah, my my support crew have a job. Right. Uh, mom, Sixty seconds doesn't seem worth it. <laughs> it's all sleep at the end yeah. of the day, brother. <laughs> it's like having a flat battery and plugging your phone in for sixty seconds. Yeah, man. <laughs> You'd be surprised what it can do. Yeah, I suppose a couple more texts. Yeah, I mean, a starving man will probably kill you for a peanut. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay, so you, yeah, so you and Harvey Lewis, is it a, is it like a, a formal sort of chat you have, or is it informal? Or you just end up running together and yeah, we just end up running together. And when does this happen? Like day three? Yeah, maybe day two or three. Like, yeah, definitely. What like once it's like the numbers are whittling down, and mm. yeah, it just seems to be that. We're chatting more and more and getting to, into a system of like maybe running and then walking for a little bit and and basically hitting different different points out on course at certain times to allow us to uh, yeah basically get a get to the end of of the course with with time to spare to to do what we need to at the end of each hour but also kind of rest our bodies so we're not kind of hammering it yeah. hammering our bodies into the ground because what's the, what's the dream in those later stages is it like 10 minutes at the end of the hour yeah i was definitely getting 10 yeah 10 plus minutes uh, once we like once me and harvey were like i don't know in the evening slash doing our like our walk run walk run walk run little little setup then yeah maybe we were doing like 52 or 54 mm. minutes per lap but yeah that's still plenty of time to eat drink sleep Whatever, yeah, and I suppose with two of you doing it, you you help keep each other honest in terms of the the walk run breaks. Yeah, so they yeah. don't blow out. So how did that look? Like t- say ten minutes run, three minutes walk. What what was the like, system? Like seven on, three off, three on, two off, three on, two off. So it was like seven minutes to get you in, and then like and then a three two three two kind like, of system, like a really weird fat lick sort of system. <laughs> yeah, pretty pr- pretty pretty much, and. Um, and then, like, you're probably having to take a leak every hour, so like you're you're stopping to do that. The other person continues, and maybe you have to do a jog to to catch up to where where they are. And then that allows you to kind of hit all. I mean, by the time you've by the time you've even run something like 24 laps or 30 laps, like you get a pretty good idea of where you're supposed to be and when down to mm. down to the like the second. Like you're 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 hitting the same plots out on the course 
like within one second variation lap after lap mm. quite often or it's yeah it's very it's it's, it's very accurate mm. so so Harvey Lewis and yourself you were running together with intention where where was Phil like was he did he sort of sit just behind you guys? Was he monitoring? You? It's, it's got to be so much more of an advantage, like like teaming up with someone else, right? I think he was running like thirty nine minutes forty. Like, so he was ahead of you. He wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure someone said he was running thirty nine minutes forty, and he was running that like clockwork, like like thirty nine minutes forty. Here's Phil. Thirty nine minutes forty. Here's Phil. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah, so a bit of a machine. So he was just coming in and he was running his hot laps. Me and Harvey were more kind of just chilling, having our conversation, doing just our Just getting thing. the job done. Yeah. And and what happened to Harvey Lewis? Um, when, when, did, when did he start to fade? Uh, so I think the 90th hour was his last hour that he completed, which he holds the – he held the American record at 85 hours, so he upped his American record to 90 hours. Okay. And yeah, I guess it was in the last few hours, like he was just getting a bit slower and his his conversation was getting a little bit funky and like I didn't realise that he was maybe kind of losing it. But yeah, he was slowing and slowing and that was then slowing me down and then I was like, Yo bro, like I, I actually I need a bit more rest. I'm gonna need to like jog this one and so like I'm not gonna do any walking. He's like, Yeah, no bro, you, you do what you gotta do. So I'd like I'd start jogging and I'd I'd get more and more rest, like getting 10, then 11, then 12, then 15 minutes of, of rest. Mm. And I guess maybe in that time, maybe Harvey was slowing down, getting less and less rest, mm. maybe getting less and less food or less water, or maybe he was getting colder. I don't, I don't know what, what was happening, but yeah, uh, eventually he was getting slower and slower. And yeah, I, I passed him on one loop to give it and, and like gave him gave him some ups. I was like, come on, bro. Like, don't give up on me. Like smash it out. I'll see you at the end. And he's just like, I don't think I'm going to finish this one, man. And I was like, oh shit. So I finished my loop. And yeah, as I'm like coming towards the end of my loop, I should be, cro- should have crossed over with him at that point. And I can't see him. I'm like, damn, like he's, he's out. Like I can't help him. Like, so I run into the race base and I say, is Harvey back yet? Like, has he, has he given up and like walked just cut course and walked home and they're like nah and I was like go get him like go get Harvey like, was this in darkness was this nighttime or daytime yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was darkness mm. like pitch black and cold yeah so I yeah I was like go get Harvey so I was like drive down the road turn right find him bring him back and yeah that's what they did and and after this um intense um but very brief on the big scheme of things relationship like a how do you feel at the time? Like, are you um, are you sad at the time? Are you bummed out? Are you able to process it? Or are you like, just, fuck, i got a job to do. I can compartmentalise this and deal with it later. Oh, I was devastated. Were you? Uh, at the yeah. time? Especially because, like, we'd been there for each other for so long. I've done another podcast and I've actually cried at this at this, at this this point in the podcast. So I'm, do- I'm doing well right now. Like, it's pretty damn emotional for me. Uh yeah, I felt like I hadn't been there to to save him when like like going into that night loop, going into the, the twelve hours of night. I may have well saved him getting off the day course because he was going really slow. Like I was, I was doing a pretty slow loop, like maybe one of my slowest, but he was going even slower, and I was 
and I could see him in the distance and I started shouting at him across, across the gully to hurry his ass up. And then I just started jing him up and chahooing and just like making so much noise so that he would like, like, yeah, like a cheerleader for him. Not that, not that you necessarily had extra energy to spare, but yeah, like you were I, running, you were dealing with your own battles. But yeah, I was kind of giving them the, like the, the kick up the ass, or, or at least the encouragement to like get that loop done. Because mm. as soon as you got that loop done, we were out on the night course, mm. and it, it's then a, a bit of a change of pace, change of scenery, and a, and a different ball game for the next twelve hours. So yeah, I guess I'd I'd helped him to get there, and I'd helped him to do certain certain things throughout the race, and yeah. Uh, I guess I'd lost my brother at that point. Like I'd lost, I'd lost someone who was invested in my race, uh, and I was invested in his race. Mm. Do you think you've got like um, like success guilt or survivor guilt or something? Is there yeah, an element de- of that. Yeah, definitely, definitely yeah. survivor guilt. Um, but you can't save everybody at the end of the day. Um, well, he's ultimately he's running his own run, and you're running yours, right? Yeah, you've got you've got to be responsible for yourself out there. Um, like, I mean, technically, you're not allowed to render aid in one of these. Like, once you're out there, you're out there. I mean, like, yeah, you can like you can encourage people and all that, but like, you can't you can't pick them up, you can't carry them, you can't give them food or water or a light or anything. It's like once they're out there, they're out there, and you've got to look after yourself. And I mean, at the end of the day, like, we are at that at that tier where it's like you you you're the professionals of the sport. It's like mm. you you know how to get it done and you know how to mess it up. So, mm. yeah, it's, 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 it's all on you out there, really. What, what, do, you, what do you think you, um, you feel about it now? Like, is it, is it sort of like an overwhelming sadness? Is it grief? Is it guilt? What is it? Um, it's, cause if it is guilt, it shouldn't be. Yeah. Right? Not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the feelings have faded a wee bit. And, and in all mm. honesty, look, I've gone and matched the world record slash assisted the new world record and then done what nobody thought could be done and turned around in a week later, gone and won another last man standing at 288Ks, which is like between the two races, I've done 965 kilometers in the space of two weeks, which is like wild. (laughs) It's great for the Strava stats. Yeah. uh, Kudos on that. Yeah, you should. Like I think I've got three weeks in a row where my average is like something like three hundred kilometers, which is wild. But um, yeah, like everybody knew that Harvey was going into this race, and then he was going to back it up with Badwater one three five. So he was like, everyone's like, "You're a madman to to go and turn around and do that." And then before he'd gone to Badwater, I'd gone and smashed this one out, and he's sending me things like, "Damn, bro, you made me." F- you make me feel guilty. Now I've got to like go and do a, I've got to go hard at bad water or, or you're going to make me look bad. I'm like, like both of us have just smashed out like potentially once in a lifetime achievements. Like he came third overall male for bad water and I came first for my last man's, my second last man standing event. Like, yeah. You guys are cutting your own path. Yeah. We've, yeah. We're, we're dominating. So, so you're um, boys for life now. Straight up, yeah, 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 yeah. Like just this, this, this bond that can never be broken. Now, yeah, it's the Harvey cool. Show. How, how old's he, and how old are you? I thought he was forty-one, and I googled him the other day. I think he's like forty-seven or forty-eight. Right. right. So, what are you? Th- I just turned thirty. So, 30. so he's like, so you're very young for the sport. That's encouraging, right? Oh, it's it's wildly encouraging. Yeah, mm. like a lot of these, a lot of athletes in ultra marathon don't peak until they're like late thirties or like into their forties. 
and I've essentially managed to get to the top top tier in the world by 30 like I was national champion at 29 I'm now at world champion slash world record level by 30 and the way I see it, I've got at least a 15 year career ahead of me so that's your Massive. knees might disagree with that, but we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I think Harvey's a pretty good example of yeah. longevity. Like, yeah, yeah. As uh, long as you do everything right and do all the rehab and strength and conditioning, you'll be sweet. I exactly. But I mean, like stats wise, I, like someone came out with the with the world stats the other day, and I'm the, I think I'm the youngest, the youngest person in the top thirty in in the world, and I'm the only person born after 1990 in the top twenty. Fuck, how good. Yeah. So good. And everybody else is like born in the like the sixties, seventies, eighties, like they're all they're all old. <laughs> it's like the running version of Lawn Bowls. Yeah. There's the odd outlier, the young person doing it, but it's me. Yeah. yeah. How good. So um yeah, so Harvey, he tapped out at ninety one hours. Mm-hmm. It was um lap ninety five, ninety five hours where you where you collapsed. What yeah. ha- run us through that. What happened there? Yeah, I guess I'd just I'd gone into the race with a bit of a cold or whatever. And then your immune system, regardless of if you're well or not, takes a hit during these things because you're smashing your system. Like generally, even if I'm good going into these races, I'll probably end up with like mucus, phlegm, all sorts mm. of block ups for the next week or two after because my system's just taken such a hit. It's a lot on the lungs, isn't it? That's a hell of a lot yeah. of breathing. So you end up, you generally end up with a pretty inflamed um, respiratory system anyway. But yeah, so I went in with with a cold. The cold progressed by the Saturday night or the first night into maybe a, a chest infection. Like I was, I was just coughing up and snorting up like these huge chunks of green, like the size of your knuckle, and like not just one, or, <laughs> not just one or two, like a lot of them, and that was nasty. Uh, and then by the Sunday morning, that had mostly cleared. And I was like, oh, sweet, we good? Run into the Sunday night, and I think it was like Sunday night slash Monday, basically, I've got a permanent nose drip. I'm blowing up chunks and coughing up chunks of both mucus, phlegm, and blood. And this basically carries on until the um, until the end of the race. And I guess that progressed into chest infection that progressed into some type of pneumonia and then yeah by the end of the race or by by the 95th hour when I was like out on course and I just like go down I'm like <gasps> mm. I actually struggling for breath and and I like I come into the farmhouse at the end of the hour and I just like collapse on the couch like don't even get to the bedroom I just like collapse on the couch I'm like <gasps> <gasps> and like on the floor, the like they've got a videographer. The videographer's got his got his camera in my face, and I look like I'm about to have a heart attack. And uh, yeah, um, everybody's like terrified that I'm going to die. Or oh well, I, from a uh, from a race um, PR perspective or a race director's perspective, the last thing you want is a death. Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> it's it might, not great for business. Yeah, it might might look bad on the resume. <laughs> Well, just for future years. I, I mean, if someone dies, it's potentially the end of an event, right? Yeah. I mean, or I mean, look at MDS Marathon de Sable. Mm. I th- I th- I think oh, what happened there? Oh, people die at Marathon right. de Sable yeah. like most years. I'm pretty sure. Like, so I think that's just notches in the belt for them. Yeah. If anything, it just adds to the notoriety of that event. Yeah. 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 Oh, um, 
I know. We can get back to that. I, no, I just I just remembered you sent me a text last night saying, um, "Oh, it's a good time to have me in." What, what What did you mean? What's is there some news blowing off about you? Or? Oh no, no, just oh. I mean like the fa- like you you obviously wanted to catch up like a couple of weeks ago, mm. and and a lot of other people who have interviewed me have kind of st- struck while the iron's hot. They, mm. they they interviewed me last week. Where last week I just done a world record. Mm. This this week I've done a world record and. And backed it up with this. <laughs> oh, the Christchurch event. Yeah, and, you're a and savage. Like, and like people, like people in my sport, they're like, you shouldn't do that. Mm. Like that's like that's that's a recipe for disaster, or or you can't do that. Like there's no way you're going to win that on top. It's like, <laughs> watch me, brother. Well, that, that, I mean that that's the thing, and um, this is why I love speaking to people like yourself. And um, do you know John O'Riddler? Have you heard of John O'Riddler? He did, John O'Riddler did a massive swim from um, Great Barrier Island to oh, Devonport yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, no, no, I heard about that. Like I just a, didn't know his name. It was ninety-nine kilometer ocean swim, and just to, there's all sorts of rules. Like you're only allowed togs, you're not allowed a wetsuit, um, not allowed to touch the boat at all, and th- things are things are only impossible until someone does them, and then yeah. it, the the boundaries get redefined. And that's what I love about guys like John O'Riddler and guys like yourself. Yeah, ultra ultra swimming is wild too mm. because like you're out there, you're swimming, but you've got this added factor of um basically all of them go hypoxic mm. like you, <laughs> you 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 go blue while you're out there mm. and um yeah it's real unhealthy like someone recently i think swam the cook straight and and in the last like stretch died because they were, went hypoxic and and drowned mm-hmm. so like that that sports that sports next level <laughs> although those guys would say your sports next level True. Yeah, <laughs> it's all perspective, isn't it? All perspective. Okay. All right. So, um, lap ninety-five. There's the collapse, and is that when negotiations are going on with the race director and your support crew? That like we we got to pull Sam off the course. Yeah, I mean that's definitely when they're wanting wanting me to stop. Like you're you're not healthy to go on, and I definitely had a moment a moment of I'm stuffed, and then I was like, okay, if this like he'd do a job. And I had a moment like that uh, in Christchurch as well. Like, went down on my knees, and I'm like, "It might be time to stop." And I said, "No, if this, we're here to do a job. Like, get up, go." And I did. And uh, yeah, I, no, negotiations were going on at that point. I didn't really know, but basically, the people who are backing me are saying, "Like, let him get the job done." Uh, and the race director's like, "This guy's stuffed." And I think they're uh, my team's. Uh, Argument was well, you would be too if you were this. Dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, yeah. Rightfully, you'd, you'd be stuffed. So, what's your mum like as a, as a support person? Because um, I don't know. I, su- I suppose there's that mother's instinct that you know you want to you want to protect your boy or whatever. Mm. But is, is she quite good at um, you know understanding your limitations and not throwing in the towel on your behalf too early? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, she's. Very organised, like she, she's she's god dear god tier crew, crew person slash crew crew head. Like she she runs the team and she she knows exactly what needs to be done in advance of of when it needs to be done. Mm. So yeah, I I guess I can like trust her to just like do all that stuff in the background and then I can focus on the running. Yeah. But yeah, like once we were that deep. Like, I guess the the voice of reason kicks in, and 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 sh- that's when she wanted me to to pull. I mean, I've had like the conversation with her since then. I'm like, any future race, like, don't talk me out of it. Like, 
Like I race until I'm dead. Mm. That's it. Yeah, and that was the race director's fear. <laughs> that, that you would race till you did. Okay, so it's a 100, 101 hours if we've established, just reminding people, in 677 case. So the eventual winner, Phil Gord, did, did he know or did his team know about these conversations that were going on? Uh, these I, negotiations for lack of a better term? Yeah, I don't know. I mean like part of part of part of the like race director's thing was if I'm gonna continue looping then Phil has to stay with me, basically mm. as a as a like a safety precaution. That way, like if I collapse, he can render aid, whether that's CPR or or whatever. Uh, and so, like he knew I was in a bad way. Like I'd collapsed in front of him, like in the in the farmhouse. So he saw how bad I was. But yeah, then I pulled pulled it together, and like I was still I was still lapping out lapping out ten with ten minutes of rest at the end of each one so that was all that was all good and yeah he, I guess he knew the conversations were going on and then yeah basically once we were out doing lap 101 I, I said to him like I've made the agreement with everybody back at camp that this will be my last lap I was like are you ready to do a hot lap <laughs> like because because he because <laughs> he would have had to do the 100 and second to 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 essentially win and he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do a hot lap. I might hurt myself, which is fair enough. Mm, mm. Um, I certainly couldn't do a hot lap in Christchurch the other day. Like, I was I was spent. Mm. So, uh, yeah, he he knew that I was I was about to, to give up. To forfeit sort of thing. Because uh-huh. um, there, there's, there's a photo of you that I saw online of, on lap uh, 101, and it looks like you're doing, I don't know, like, a, like an aeroplane or a Superman or something. Like, you look happy as fuck. Yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, you, still, you, you, you don't look like a broken man. Put it that way. No, and that's probably a good indication that people should have stayed out of my ear and and allowed me to continue my race. I mean, like it hurts. Who cares? Like, let me let me go to let me go to one forty. Let me go to one fifty. Let me really do something stupid. It's going to suck for those last couple of days, but like <laughs> last couple of days, fuck. Yeah, you, you, what are you? What, yeah, any idea what your limitation would be? Do you really think like what, another couple of days? I think there's almost a level of perpetuality in this, provided you're ticking all the boxes. I mean, eventually you may teeter on the on the brink of madness. Mm. Like I know when Harvey when Harvey wandered off and timed out during his ninety first hour, like. He was looking at the side of the road and he was seeing grass people. And he's like, I didn't just see one grass person. He's like, I saw all the grass people. Oh, like full-blown hallucinations. Yeah, full-blown yeah. hallucinations. So, like, you get to that level. And, and so, yeah, you've got to you've got to manage that and hopefully not go into that loopy zone. But um, I don't see why you can't continue this for a very long time. Like, I believe, I believe eventually, like, we're going to probably break the seven-day or the ten-day record outright – during a backyard, like those are those are actual events that people compete in, and yeah, in this format we may we may well go that mm. deep and then break those records, which is going to be wild. So, mm. yeah, we're just kind of scratching the surface, to be honest. Shit, that's exciting and also terrifying at the same time. <laughs> and yeah. you you say we like uh, you, this is going to happen in your career. This is that you're not looking. You know, people talked about breaking the two-hour marathon barrier and how they're like, it may not happen in my lifetime. You were talking about you being one of these contenders. I think, I think I'll probably do it in October, provided, provided everybody's up to the challenge. Mm, and then if not, it'll be next year. What's that? Is that the Biggs, Biggs Backyard? Biggs Backyard. Where's that? 
it's in Bellbuckle in Tennessee, which is like an hour down the road from where I used to live. Right. Okay, so it's almost like a like a alternative home course. Oh, it's like I'm so excited because it's not this intangible place in America yeah. that I've never heard of. It's down down the road from where I used to live. Like mm. this is this is a homecoming for me, and it gives me like <laughs> such it gives me such a home field advantage. Yeah. Like I've got I've got like literally my American family slash in laws who live a few hours up. Up, up the road in a different state and they're gonna they're gonna be nearby I've got all my rugby crowd slash family that I've built over over the years since 2016 they live just down the road yeah it's, oh, so you have a lot of support on course potentially or yeah new people, faces pe- popping in and out yeah people aren't allowed out on course uh, it's, it's very kind of privatey private but okay. like in the lead up yeah. to the race like I'm definitely gonna have a lot of love and support and like there's definitely gonna be a lot of people rooting for me and are, pe- are people are spectators allowed at the start finish area no no, no. wow yeah. why uh so it's That's a terrible marketing strategy <laughs> yeah no i to- i totally agree and i guess laz who has created the sport has kind of created this monster that's now like grown into this crazy massive beast but uh it's held on his little farm in Bellbuckle, Tennessee. It's kind of middle of nowhere type deal. Little farm. Uh, it's got a little farmhouse and like not too many amenities. Like they're having to bring in porta potties and 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 all the likes of additional stuff. So it's like a shit, really shit festival. <laughs> yeah, it's def- def- definitely festival vibes. No music, not much sleep, a lot of exercise, no drugs. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Apart from currents. Yeah, currents and uh, uh, tailwind. Lots of lots of tailwind. <laughs> a lot of caffeine. A lot, hell of a lot of caffeine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think basically that I think they've got the capacity to have like two hundred or so people right. there. So it's basically it's the runners, it's their support crew. Uh, there's the race official slash event personnel, and then there's like the media. Um, slash pe- there's mm. people like recording movies slash documentaries and that's all they really wow. have capacity for because by the time four or five days of this is up like they will have really s- tapped into their resources as far as like water and like the porta potties are probably going to be in a bit of a state and oh okay so there's just not the infrastructure for yeah there's yeah, no, okay. there's no infrastructure yeah. to have all the people there so now you've you've talked um at sort of reasonable length, and you've been quite open about this, about the thing you call your secret source. So it's like you're putting your cards out on, on the table. You're keeping no secrets from anyone. You're basically giving people the blueprint, which, to be honest, I think it's a blueprint that, that is, most of it is in your head, so it can't be necessarily duplicated. But um, how would you describe the secret source? Like, how, how, can, how can anyone do this and do well? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're running. And you're running a, mag- a manageable distance. You're running a very manageable distance. and At least early on. Yeah. At, at, at the end of the day, you need to eat, you need to drink, you need to potentially sleep at some point and, and wear clothes or, or whatever. So it's, it's, getting, it's getting... The formula just right. Yeah. It's, it might be anywhere from if you can only get 20 gram of carbohydrate in per hour, then it's, it's that. But if you're adapted, it might be anything through to 90 gram of carbohydrate per hour, which for most runners or human beings is going to be too much. And then you're going to have GI discomfort. So it's getting in that it's, uh, it's getting in like 500 mil 
depending on the depending on the heat out there, but roughly 500 mil of, of fluids each hour, and then that's got to have um, electrolytes in it. So you you're putting some sort of drink mix in it, whether it's just purely salts or if you're throwing a a drink mix in there, like a sports drink that's got both the calories in the form of uh, carbohydrate and then uh, also getting your, your salts in. And then, so you've got your hydration, possibly nutrition, and that might come in the form of anything really, whether it's, yeah, carbohydrates or proteins or, or fats. And uh, You just eat whatever's on the table. Yeah, I, I know Dan Canazes, he one of the um, sort of I, I suppose the original mainstream like ultra marathon runner. You know, he became famous for a it was quite a kind of shtick, I guess. But in his book, he talked about like ordering pizzas on the run and just rolling up a pizza and eating it like a burrito. Yeah, straight up. So I mean, any anything, anything that works in the moment. Realistically, I mean, like I eat a lot of candy out there, um, chocolate and lollies and stuff like that but yeah then i'm eating a lot of real food too and that might be mum's made a bacon egg pie or um we we get chinese like they'll go to the nearest chinese takeaway and i'll be eating like stir fried noodles or stir fried rice and and just getting getting stuff that's tasty because you'd be going uh, with a fork wouldn't you rather than chopsticks because you got a <laughs> <laughs> limited eating time maybe I, maybe i try it with <laughs> chopsticks next time just to, just to be fancy but uh yeah uh, essentially just your your palate uh, fatigues after a while and so you don't want to eat the same shit over and over again. Yeah. You don't want to drink the same flavour drink over and over again. And and so it's just getting in whatever tastes good and whatever has the right kind of macronutrients that are going to fuel you basically to keep you happy. I mean, yeah, just just keeping you fueled fueled throughout. I mean, I think even Phil Gore was having like a roast dinner at at one point during the race in Australia. So yeah, it's just it's, it's what you can eat at the time. It's not overeating because if you mm. if you get too much in, then you're going to cause GI distress. But mm. uh, yeah, what whatever works in the moment. Have you have you just found all these uh, sweet spots through trial and error? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I've been doing it long enough that I know what works. I know what mm. doesn't work for me, and then. Sometimes I'll be presented with something new in the moment that I've never thought of before and, and like I'll wolf it down mm. and uh, and and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we'll add that to the we'll add that to the pile and then like I might do another race and I'll be presented with that, that food option and I'll just be like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> don't want it. And how did your um, relationship and association with currents come about? I, I'm on the currents buzz as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I... I I I sort of think most supplements are um, placebo for me at least, but um, I find with Karen's it's it, it, there is a tangible difference in terms of recovery. Yeah, definitely. So did, I, did, did you were you a fan of them, or did they approach you and say, "Hey, try this"? And yeah, yeah, I I guess I'd been told about them. They'd been told about me. They they knew who I who I was and what I was doing within the sport, and I, I ran into them at Tarawera and basically said, "Hey, I'm here. I'm doing weird running stuff. Maybe maybe we could team up." And yeah, like I knew the, I knew the be- benefits of of black currants and and anthocyanins. Um, I'd I'd known about them for for quite a number of years. So yeah, uh, basically I've been using them since Tarawera in February, I think. And yeah, they've been yeah pretty 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 central in uh, in my in my recovery. Like, 
Interesting. So before getting on to what you're saying, Sam Harvey, is before Karen's, your best was 46 hours. After Karen's, your best was 101 hours. Yeah, you can put it like that. <laughs> no, it's, well, how, do, how do you take them? Because I, I just take two a day, like usually in the morning when I do uh, have a protein shake and stuff. Do you, do you take um, like extra currents when you're during an event? or I usually try and take them on their own. Yeah. So I don't take them with like a protein shake or anything. Like I, I space them out away from away from meals so it's literally the only thing in my stomach so yeah hopefully i i absorb more of of the good stuff uh i'm taking it with water if i'm if it's on a training day then i'm trying to take it like half an hour to to an hour or more before training so i'm getting the benefits in in the run and yeah and then if not i'll just take it every day whenever i'm only taking one capsule because i I'm a smaller dude than you, uh, so I maybe don't need as much. I feel like you deserve that second one. Yeah. Smaller dude, but you're doing some crazy miles. Yeah, so more recently, like even just on like my off days to try and recover, I've, I've been taking a couple a day. And and then during these last man standing races, I'm just kind of taking them ad lib. Mm. Like there's a lot of stuff that I do ad lib. I'm so just, they're, def- they're definitely part of your toolbox though during the events. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. May- maybe, maybe they're yeah helping me with fat oxidization so i'm using that that as a as 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 an energy source more or or whatever it may be um i mean i don't believe that there's any one silver bullet Mm. i'm very much having someone who has a toolkit of a whole heap of different things that point me in the right direction and this is this is one of my key things that helps me helps me know that i'm i'm gonna get where i'm going so i have that to rely on yeah, I mean, they're a great New Zealand company, and they've got some great athletes on their books as well. Yeah. Jeepers. Yeah. Stacked. Best of the best. Absolutely. Um, so what are some of the non-negotiables in this toolkit that you talk about? The absolute non-negotiables. So if you make it to the start line and you open the toolbox and some of these things aren't there, what's going what's gonna to rattle you? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I go and... I guess I've got a, I guess I got a, a, a bit of a suitcase now, but it's uh, yeah, it's like it's 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 all the all the different rubs for my legs. It's multiple pairs of shoes. It's multiple pairs of of thick running socks. Uh, compression leggings, compression calf skins, multiple pairs of running shorts, multiple pairs of uh, non chafing underwear. Uh, and then I've got chafe cream on on top of that, which I'm like applying liberally throughout the race. Multiple changes of tops, multiple changes of uh, thermal layers, multiple changes of windproof layers, beanies, caps, sunnies, headlight, a spear headlight, another spear light, <laughs> um, multiple changes of batteries for throughout the night. Because basically, I don't want to get caught out on course. My headlight die, and then all of a sudden, game over. You're stuck in the dark. Uh, Bluetooth headphones, fully charged cell phone, uh, multiple power banks, antacids. Uh, what else have I got? Oh my god, it's, Cramp- a, it's a lot. Have you you got like a typed out checklist? Um, or no, I mean you, you, you're rattling this off from memory, which is th- remarkable. Yeah, like I, I know what I need in the moment. I've, I, I guess I've probably like at any one point in time, I've got like a couple of boxes worth of stuff at home, and there's a lot of stuff that 
depending on the season, maybe I don't need to use that stuff outside of a race. I mean, like, who needs to use, like, 12 different sets of thermals? So, like, yeah, that, a lot of that stuff just gets boxed up and it only gets pulled out uh, when we come around to race race day and then I can just kind of, yeah, have a small drawer mm. of, of, of my daily, daily wears. And then, yeah, multiple pairs of shoes. Uh, and for the races in New Zealand, then I've basically, I've got my own, my own race set up so I've got a trestle table I've got camp stretcher slash uh, like a, a pivoting uh, camp chair uh, gazebo with with sides um, hotties all the cooking utensils does your wife know about the hotties <laughs> oh you I like hot water bottles I see what you did there. God, I'm so lame. <laughs> so lame. It was a low-hanging fruit. I should have let it drop <laughs> to the floor. Um, you mentioned before Bluetooth headphones. Um, David Goggins would say you're a pussy. I, I say David Goggins is a pussy yeah. on a daily basis. What's um? Yeah, you've been calling him out. It's um. What's that? Just just fun, f- fun sport banter. Yeah, he must get called out by a hundred people every day. I think he. I think he does. Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of play slash banter, like, and yeah, there's there's a lot of people that seem to like it. That <laughs> it's fun I, that, I, that that I call out David Goggins, and that I'm maybe in the like the the small segment of the population that can do that and actually like come and back it up. Yeah, uh, he hasn't bit yet. Maybe he will one day. Uh, I feel like when is that the goal to get him to buy it or to repost or I'd I'd love to race with him one yeah, day, man. Yeah. I mean, like at, at the end of the day, I want to be pushed to the upper limits of 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 what I can achieve, and I think he's someone who also appreciates that. Mm. And so, yeah, what, one day we'll we'll throw the hammer down mm. with each other, and whether that's he bites and he comes to one of these races one day, or. Uh, Eventually, I get my green card so I can move back to the US with my wife, and I'm just going to hunt him down. I'm just going to hunt him down. I'm going to find out what his racing calendar is, and I'm just going to start popping up at all these events that he's at. Or he does those videos of Instagram where he's running along and someone's on a bike filming him. I, I reckon you could almost work out what street it's on because it looks like it's the same oh, street every day. Yeah, e- easily. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like there's probably a lot of parallels with, with you and him. How, how, do, how do you silence that, that inner voice? You know when that inner voice gets really loud, and it, I don't know. Maybe this. Maybe I'm projecting here. Maybe it's just me. But you're like, oh, okay, well, you've done your best, and you know, you, no one would blame you for quitting now. Like when when those voices come in and they become louder and louder. I feel like I haven't had that voice in a number of years. I've like kind of silenced my inner doubt. I'm like, I just have the belief, and I'm just like, I'm here to. We had to smash stuff, and and that's why the last maybe couple of years, at least in the backyard ultra format, I've been laying the hammer down and, and kind of dominating the races. Like I, I haven't had a sense of doubt throughout it. I'm just like I'm here, I'm doing a job, mm-hmm. and then eventually everybody gives up, and it's like ha ha, I won. Uh, whereas this weekend gone, uh, the race I did a few days ago, I got a bit cocky. Once I was enjoying myself, I was like, "Oh, my legs have healed after that world record. Cool, let's let's go." And so, for the first twenty four hours, I was running my loops probably five minutes faster than I should. And like, you want to, you want to go, yeah, you want to conserve because, yeah. like, not only do you want to not use up all your energy, but you don't want to smash your system and have everything break down on you. And so, I got a bit too cocky in the first day down in Christchurch. I got to the twenty four hour mark, which is 
160 kilometers or 100 miles. And then I was like, oh, I'm tired. You're way more tired than what you should be at that point. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sore. Like, and then I, and then I come to the sudden realization is like, you cooked it, bro. You stuffed this yeah, up. Yeah, you fucked up. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> you got high on your own supply. And I was like, damn, brother, like you, you had the opportunity to do something world class by, by backing up this race or that race with this one. And you stuffed it. It's like, mm. and so I go into this down negative sort of spot. And I don't usually, yeah. like, I never go into that. And I've never, I don't think I've ever been in that headspace for that period of time. Like, it was all of Sunday. Mm. And I was just like, you fucked up. You deserve this. You cocky, arrogant bastard. And I was like, oh, oh well, there's some really good lads in this race. Like, Glenn Sutton, Shannon Rhodes, uh, Brandon Purdue, all guys that have been hitting this hitting this race type before and, and know what they're doing. It's like, they deserve this because they, they played the slow game. They played the long game. Mm. And I was like, you bastard. And I, I went into negative talk. I was, I was out there on course and I was just shouting at myself. And it wasn't intentional David Goggins type shit, but it was like, it was David Goggins type shit. It was like, you motherfucker, <laughs> you bastard, you deserve everything. Yeah, yeah. That you're getting right now, and and Are you doing out, this out loud or is this internal? Really loud, <laughs> ugly loud, and to the point where, like, I came into the gazebo, and like, there's friends slash family slash crew in there, and I'm like, I'm not taking notice of anyone else. I'm talking to myself. I'm like, you piece of shit, just absolutely like, like grunting and swearing at myself, and just and and my mum's like, oh, this is ugly. Like, there's certain people that mm. at this point, mum's not like letting in the tent because I'm like. I'm going downhill and then I get out there and I'm lapping and I was like, you know what? You deserve this. You deserve this because you stuffed up. But you know what? You were able to finish that last loop and you're out here on this loop so you're going to finish this loop and I'm going to keep you out here and I'm going to keep you suffering and I'm just going to whip you all day long and you're going to suffer and you're going to learn the lesson of not being too cocky in the early stages of the race. So that way it's an ingrained in you for future for future experiences. So I just went out there and I just beat the shit out of my soul for all of Sunday. <laughs> I was like, if you can start a lap, you can finish a lap. If you can finish that lap, you can start that yeah, next yeah, lap. And yeah, I just kept yeah. on just hitting myself, mm. hitting myself, hitting myself. And it was like, yeah, I sometime on the Sunday I like I was like I went out to start my next loop. And they're like, okay, be strong. And I like go to be strong and like puff my chest up and walk up to the line and my legs would go out from under me. I look like I've been on the piss and I stagger out there and I go to like puff my chest out and I'm cross-eyed and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And I and the boys take off and I take off as well, very slow, and I get about 10, 10 metres and I just go down on my hands and knees and I'm like, oh, okay might be time to give give up and go home and I'm down there on my knees for I don't know 30 seconds a minute it feels and I was like well you you chose to stop right now like you didn't collapse you're not dying it hurts and it sucks who gives a shit meanwhile everybody's gone silent because like I'm right there everybody's around me they can Mm. see that I'm not good and then I get up 
and I charge off and everybody starts cheering. They're like, ah, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> and the, bo- the boys are like a couple hundred metres ahead of me at this point. I charge past them off into the forest and I'm gone and I, I then do one of my fastest loops I've done in hours at that point. And I'm back in the race. I basically said, let's get the job done. You reset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I mean with this type of racing, there are, there are so many parallels between – what you do in actual life, you know, there's um, there's there's good patches and bad patches, dark mm. patches and light patches. So there's a lot of parallels. So it must, it must be, um, I don't know, you, you must have learned a lot about your mental health and resilience and things. Oh, absolutely, that, that are transferable into day to day life. Yeah, I think I, I think I wind my mum up a bit because I'm very stoic with with a lot of things in life now. Like nothing's really a problem anymore. And you haven't always been that way? Um, I guess I have, but now I'm very like, I'm very philosophical about everything. Mm. And like, I don't know, we'll be driving around in the car and mum will say something and then I'll like do some cliche quote or, or something. And she's like, okay, Samuel the wise, <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh. Uh, good. How's, how has your mental health been? I know, I know you um, you did this run in Australia for I Am Hope, um, Mike King's charity, and you raised a fuck ton as well. Yeah. Um, why is that charity important to you? Yeah, uh, so like I, like many others, run for my own mental health. I mean, I, I run because yeah. I love the sport now, but like I, yeah, you, you'd appreciate what it what it does for your own mental. Clarity oh man, from, from the neck up. But it seems alarming that it's only been sort of, I don't know, like recent years, as in the last 10, 15, 20 years, that people have been made aware of the, the mental health benefits. And that come from not just running, I suppose, but other forms of exercise as well. Because until, I don't know, like sort of recent history, it was like cardiovascular and that was sort mm. of it. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I discovered that myself. And yeah, like I've had my struggles as a teenager slash a young guy in my 20s when I was in university or in, in later years or whatever. And, yeah, I guess I've found the benefits myself yeah. and it's helped me to pull myself up out of the darkness. And, yeah, now now that I am kind of coming into my own and kind of kicking life's ass, I want others to to be able to, I guess get some of that light from, from what, what I can shine. And uh, for the probably the last couple of years, I've been thinking about starting my own mental health charity to, to help others out mm-hmm. through, through my own exploits. And then I kind of figured, like leading into Dead Cow, I was like, why reinvent the wheel? Like, why not just partner up with someone who's already got something kick-ass going? And, and Mike King has created I Am Hope, and like that's the – like the industry standard or the industry leader mm. uh, in the mental health space in New Zealand. So I figured like, if I can partner up with him and raise some dollars and, and it can go into into somewhere important where it matters, then, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. He's, he's, a, he's a good man, a eh? real battler. Oh, yeah. Real battler. Doesn't mind rolling his sleeves up and, you know, mucking and getting his hands dirty. Exactly. Love that about him. Um, I saw you do an interview on Breakfast TV and they – they ended the interview by talking about the world champs in October and you just seem supremely confident of winning, um, which I, I, I fully respect. I think it's fucking amazing, but it, it is also very un-Kiwi. Like the, the Kiwi way, I think, 
traditionally at least, and I, th- I think this needs to be sort of redefined, is someone like Richie McCaw saying, oh, yeah, no, we're going to go over there and, yeah, do our best and see what happens. That's the Kiwi way. The Kiwi way is not eyeballing someone and saying, I'm going to go there and I'm going to fucking smash the world record and I'm going to win it and I'm going to win it in style. Um, you know, where, does, where does that come from? In all fairness, I'm sick of the Kiwi way, to, if, if, if that's how it's going to be, if it's going to be kind of hiding in the shadows and, mm. and, and, do, and doing what you're told. Like, I agree. Like, I've... I know. I've been bullied my whole life in like primary school and high school and like made to feel less than I am. And, and then even in the like professional workspace, like been a pretty high achiever and it's definitely got me into trouble a couple of times. Just jealousy from people that aren't doing as well or. Yeah. And just like, if I know how to get something done, I'll get it done and maybe it's not kosher, maybe it's not the the written manual instructions version of how, how you get something done, but mm. I get shit done and I get it done well. And yeah, if someone's very process-driven and, and it's like you've got to tick this box and this box and this box, yeah, maybe it, maybe it ruffles a few feathers. I, yeah. I think it's just not the Kiwi way to sort of vocalise it. And one thing I found doing this podcast for like the last, I don't know, almost a year and a half now, there's been... Um, Actually, quite a few people that have messaged me like wanting to come on the podcast. And the first time it happened, I was like, um, I was like, fuck, that's a bit, oh, yeah, rate yourself a little bit arrogant. And the, the more it happens, I realize I'm the problem here, not them. And yeah. the last time this happened was a couple of weeks ago with a guy called um, Marcus Daniel, who's uh, one of New Zealand's best tennis players, one, one of bronze at the last Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. I fucking respect it now because it's, it's the Kiwi way just to sit back and go, oh, no, someone will ask me if they want me. But you've got to put yourself fucking forward. It's, I think it's a hangover from, like, call it what you want, tall poppy syndrome, crabs in a bucket, yeah. whatever. But it's like, I, I fully respect that, bro. No, I, I think New Zealand is terrible for tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. And where that stems from is a famine mentality. Like, we are a tiny little island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. We're far from everything. There's not a hell of a lot of dollars in our economy. And yeah, traditionally there hasn't been much. And so in a famine mentality, for you to have more, that automatically means that I've got to have less. Mm. And so tall poppy syndrome is basically people seeing someone who is achieving more and then and then trying to drag them down back back to the level because it's like, fuck, fuck you for doing well because it because it's wronging me. Yeah. And and that's the mentality that we need to get out of in New Zealand. It's like Absolutely not. Like, if you're succeeding, great, because that means I can succeed too, and and so that's that's essentially where where we need to get to. So, um, oh, good on you. Yeah, please please don't change that. I don't think you will, but yeah, just don't don't get scarred or burnt or fatigued by people. I'm I'm past giving a fuck what people yeah. think. <laughs> fuck, I love that. How good. Do you think part of that comes from the time you spent in America? You know, Americans are very, very good at selling themselves and pulling. pulling you know, you know what I mean. I think Definitely more the American way than our way. Yeah, def- I mean, like in, in part, yes. I mean, there's probably no one single answer mm. to that question. What I would say is, like, I moved to America in 2016, and and essentially I burnt the boats. I I quit my job, and it was like a pretty pretty solid career pathway. Like, I've got a background in agriculture, and I've got like an undergrad and a postgrad degree there. I was in this agricultural role with a with a good defined line and I was bored of it and I was like, fuck, mm. fuck this. So I canvassed the US, 
through Facebook, found different rugby clubs and teams and universities, and I basically sold myself as this hotshot America, uh, Kiwi rugby player that could <laughs> that that could that could teach them teach them yeah, yeah. the New Zealand ways. And I was playing some pretty damn good foot, senior footy at that time, and yeah, found a club, quit my job, bought a plane ticket over to the US, and yeah, basically built my own niche. So like. 2016 is a very important year for me. It's, mm. it's it's the year that I I backed myself. I didn't really care about like the standard life or what was expected of me here in New Zealand, and I, and I just got after it. And backing myself and not caring what other people thought was pretty pivotal. And basically everything that's come after that, it's like like you you've got that magic, bro. So just just run with it. Like if you feel something's on. Just do it because it probably is, and that's what's led me to being where I am now. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's probably a good way to end it. Oh no, there's, there was one more thing I wanted to bring <laughs> up with you. Um, shit, sorry, we've gone on for way longer than what I thought. Um, it's almost you. You could have done two laps in this time. I could have. <laughs> or three. Um, you've recently um, quit your job. Like you, you're managing to make a living out of what you love now, which is congratulations. Yeah. So, bro. so what, what was your job? So I was uh, I was raising capital for a for a property developer okay. here in Auckland. That's boring. So w- boring, sucky, and like <laughs> I don't know, just like people, just, ah, bad energy, man. Like I'd been putting up with it for like like a year. I'd been putting up with shit, and like there's this ethos or way of thinking that I've been kind of playing on for the last couple months. Or, yeah, last few months, and it's like be about your thing like like put all your energy into that thing that lights you on fire and and make that your life because you can do that and you don't have to fit into someone else's mm. square shaped box and i mean at the end of the day this world's big enough that if you if you work hard enough at any one single thing you'll get really good at it and someone's probably going to pay you for it so why waste time doing some other shit? So yeah, I quit my job like six weeks ago and I could not be more happy. It just allowed me to kind of put my head down and like focus on focus on getting getting my head straight, mm. getting my body ready for um for the world record attempt. And uh and then obviously the, the race after that and then the race after that, like I, I finished the race and I've had it. I've had a phone call or my team's had a phone call basically saying like there's someone that believes in you who's been following you for a while and they want to they want to support you to chase your dreams and who is that so not a not a brand or a company not uh yeah like a company slash, right. slash a family well, do, do you want to you want to pl- do you want to do they want to plug to the, I suppose what I'm asking is um uh, I, I mean anyone that does anything like this it's it's really fucking cool because it allows you to focus on your training and you know give up your nine to five um I mean if, if they want privacy or they don't want to mention that's fine as well but if uh, if it's a brand or a company that needs exposure then yeah definitely I mean so I'm yet to kind of sign the contract okay. but but all the kind of the parameters are have been put forward to me and it's it's pretty pretty damn agreeable mm. to the point where I basically said to my wife on Wednesday I was like go on go into work today and quit your job like we're moving home to Christchurch I'm going to run and like life wow. life's about to just pop off amazing so so they get you get a salary and they just pay for your expenses flights 
entries. Yeah, and then I've got like I've got other sponsors who are also supporting me at at, at the moment. So if I can if I can basically tick off one more uh, sponsor to kind of fill the void, then I am I'm a one stop shop for the next few years on on the running front, which allows me to be the best runner I can be, which possibly then in, in my niche becomes the best runner in the world. I get to focus on coaching and mentoring all the people around me and and all of these uh, public speaking gigs that have now presented themselves mm. to me and basically just shining my light on on anyone who who will who will look and see it and mm. just doing some amazing shit in the world which I'm mm. just like I'm I'm beaming about man. Yeah man, I I can't wait to see what the next I don't know, five years, ten years um, brings for you. You, know, you. you could be a guy that transcends the sport and sort of brings it into the mainstream. Yeah, well, I think that's the beauty of, uh, of the backyard is like you are, if you, if you do get to go deep, if you do get to push, actually push yourself, you are transcending yourself each time and that's amazing. It's not, it's not comfortable in the moment, but what it does to your mind, like you, you find the other side of the darkness it, it's it's amazing and yeah if if i can mm. be at the forefront of bringing bringing the sport into not such a niche area but being being very mainstream and yeah that's that's pretty wild mm. and it's a bit of a gift well i'm pleased i got you on my podcast before you're too big um <laughs> you'll be doing like rich roll and rogan before you know it yeah that'd be pretty pretty loose how <laughs> <laughs> good all right hey sam harvey uh congratulations on everything and uh so when's the next one world champs october yeah, October so, in Tennessee. So I've told everybody that I'll uh, actually take a little bit of time off after after this last race and recover and stuff. But yeah, nothing nothing on the schedule until the twenty first of October, which is the World Championship. I'll probably put a race or two, just like a little short fifty k or something in <laughs> in between then, just to like keep me happy. Yeah. But yeah, like just just uh, recover, train, move back to Christchurch, get everything sorted, and then uh, yeah, head on over to the US, and we're gonna do like a month. In US instead of just doing like a little piddly mm. holiday like we're going to do a, a whole month in the US and then like a good lead into into the race and then just absolutely lop that thing's head head off okay so just so we can um like time stamp this interview so this is uh Friday July 7 July to August August so it's three months away how many hours you reckon you're definitely going to win it doesn't matter how many hours I, I think 150 at least hours Fuck. over Jeez. over a thousand kilometers so that's six days. Yeah. And what over, what, over a thousand? Over a thousand kilometres of essentially non-stop running or never, never resting oh. for more than like 10 or 15 minutes. Does that make you feel nervous saying that out loud? Uh, it excites the hell out of me, brother. <laughs> like we're, we're, we're at the forefront of like human evolution in this. Like no, nobody, nobody's ever done this before. We get to be the first and then all of a sudden – this is the next expanse of human perception. Like, mm. like nobody thought anyone could break the four-minute mile, and then Ro- Roger, Roger Bannister yeah. smashed yeah. the four-minute mile, and Since now then everyone's doing it. And Why? now tens of thousands yeah. of people have yeah. done it. So, like, <laughs> you're same as climbing Everest. Hillary did it, and now there's now there's rubbish up there. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, this is this is it's pretty cool to be at the forefront. It's a bit, it's a bit of a gift. And if you die in one of these events, will people say that he died doing what he loved? Yeah, find the thing you love and let it kill you. Sam Harvey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man, and good luck for everything in the future. Cheers, brother. It's been a pleasure. 
Thanks so much for listening all the way through this episode of Runners Only with Tom Harvey. And thanks again to my pals at Radix Nutrition for sponsoring this episode. If it's protein powders, smoothie recovery powders, or freeze-dried, just-add water meals that actually taste nice and give you the nutrients you need, check them out. RadixNutrition.co.nz. That's R-A-D-I-X. Just before we go, you can reach me anytime on Instagram, DomHarveyNZ, or email me, domharveynz at gmail.com. I love getting your feedback in response to the podcast, good or bad. Actually, to be fair, it's only been good, and I genuinely thank you for that. Couple of housekeeping things before you go. If you feel like doing me a solid and you don't do this already, it would be epic if you could subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe or follow whatever your platform allows. Most people listen to it without subscribing. Something like 20% of people subscribe. And I'm not actually sure what it does, but I've heard other people on way more successful podcasts asking their listeners to subscribe, so it must do something. I don't know. Also, if you feel so inclined, it would be awesome if you gave the podcast a rating or review on whatever platform you're listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, whatever. Even better than that, share it on social media or share it with a friend who you think would enjoy it. All right, that's it for now. Thanks for your time. Genuinely appreciate having you along for this journey, and I really hope you enjoyed it. And I do hope to see you next time on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.